Hi, I'm Ben Taylor, and welcome to Scratch Film. Every episode, we choose either a well-renowned director or actor who's popular for his or her masterpiece works and or performances, and choose a movie that didn't fit his or her portfolio as well as the others. Today, I'm joined by Joel Vitable. You. Will Fetter. Hello. And Patrick Sheasley. Hi. This episode contains spoilers. If you have not seen the movie we are about to review and would like to watch it before listening, come back later and compare your own thoughts to ours. If you are here after watching this movie and curious to hear about what we have to say, are listening to decide whether or not to watch the film, or just along for the ride, welcome. We aren't trained in critiquing films, so don't take things too seriously. We are merely here for fun. In today's episode, we will be reviewing 1999's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, directed by George Lucas. George Lucas is well known for being the mastermind behind the Star Wars and Indiana Jones franchises and leading the production company Lucasfilm which was bought by the Walt Disney Company in late October 2012. The movie opens to a conflict in the Galactic Republic revolving around the taxation of trade routes, which the Trade Federation attempts to bring an end to by forming a blockade of the planet Naboo. In the attempt to put an end to this blockade, without signing a treaty set forth by the Trade Federation to the Queen of Naboo, played by Natalie Portman, Jedi Knights Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor, respectively, are sent to negotiate. After refusal to negotiate and a crash landing on Naboo, the Knights and their crew encounter Jar Jar Binks, a native who serves as their navigator. Together, the team travels the cosmos and finds a young boy, Anakin Skywalker, who is sensed to be strong with the Force during their journey. With this new and final addition to their team, the crew moves to take down the Trade Federation's blockade in the first episode of this chart-breaking series. Now, sit back and relax as we dive into the swamps of Naboo and unveil the Phantom Menace. So I'm going to start off talking about the money that this movie made. So uh, Phantom Menace had a couple re-releases in its time across the years. So um, collectively, I'm going to talk about the gross um, overall across all these years with re-releases. So the initial budget for this movie was $115 million. Um, so yeah. Um, and then the gross overall worldwide for this movie um, back in 1999 was about a billion dollars, which is pretty good. So then when you look at the profit when adjusted for inflation is $1.55 billion. That is ridiculous. It is insane. So, um, you know, we're talking about this movie and it's bad. But surprisingly enough, this is the highest grossing film directed by George Lucas. It beats out the other five Star Wars movies and Indiana Jones movies, which is a little crazy yeah. to a little crazy to think about. That's pretty ridiculous. I remember I when I brought up this movie to my parents talking about how we were going to review this. The first thing my mom said was, "Oh, I won these tickets on the on the radio for your dad to see because like mm-hmm. the the gap between this episode and episode 6 coming out was at least 12 years and we know those three movies were are probably and arguably the best three movies of Star Wars. Yeah, 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 of Star Wars. Yeah. So going into this, it's very, very, very highly anticipated, and you also have a new generation coming into uh, the release of this film. Yeah, but it makes sense though, because the first three, I mean, like Star Wars wasn't a thing for the first three, so obviously it was got some, and then it became like such a big franchise. There's twelve year hiatus, and then there's gonna be oh, new ones coming out. Everyone's gonna see it, but then obviously you go and- see it realize it's bad and then you're not gonna go see the second one and the third one as much because the first one's so bad so it makes sense i think yeah so there I, yeah i think the general consensus is there was a lot of hype surrounding this movie um breaking that hiatus um but 
you know, while it may not have been reflected, while that, while that hype was reflected in the financial performance, their reviews give a more perhaps accurate representation. So this movie got a 3.8 out of 5 on Google, a 52% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 59% audience score, 51 on Metacritic, and 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, which overall is not too bad. But in comparison with um, George Lucas's uh, most well-reviewed movie, which was American Graffiti, one of his earliest uh, films, uh, got a 4.7 out of 5 on Google, a 96% uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 84% audience score, 97 on Metacritic, and a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. So again, it's not horribly reviewed, and it didn't do horribly at the box office, but there is still just a lot of things wrong with this movie. So uh, let's get into that. So to start out the movie, uh, we are put into this ship with the leaders of the Trade Federation. And to start out, I I mean, the CGI, to start, I mean, even by 1999 standards, were very subpar. It just... It did not look like they were speaking what they were actually speaking. Whenever you, like, these characters were put into speaking their native language, the CG, like, their mouth movements and their body movements kind of more fit the language that they were speaking. But whenever it got translated to English, it just looked very off. I mean, some of it, like, Star Wars is kind of renowned for doing a lot of practical things. So I don't know if that was specifically CG. Well, I think he means, you don't mean, like, the Trade Federation people. I think you mean later when they're in the, the sea like the Sea City, like those guys, like the, the Gungans, leaders. the Gungans, because yeah, like the leader of the Gungans, that's not practical. I'm pretty Boss sure that's CGI. Oh yeah, and that was not good. Yeah. Boss Nos. Yeah, was, yeah. Exactly. How do you just like think of that as a character too? Also, yeah, we can talk about that because it's not like so it's supposed to be an alien, but it's I don't know, it's not like mysterious. He doesn't even look like any of the Gungans. Like, how did he oh, yeah, just get there? And he's like, yeah, I'm your leader. He just ate a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, think think about it. like. A lot of the leaders in this movie are just very large characters. Like, mm. you have the leader of the Gungans. You have uh, Jabba the Hutt on Tatooine. And I am glad they, like, added him, though. Okay. Even though, I'm like, sorry. yeah, Jabba. Mm. I'm glad they added him to the first movie and, like, had a little cameo for him. Like, Jabba the Hutt was brought out to, like, be like, oh, for those fans who did like Star Wars, here's, like, something that gets you familiar with these movies to like it more. Yeah. And that's what the sequels have done and i i liked it but it's just i agree wasn't done yeah it was a good callback mm-hmm. um but on the subject of leaders um i think it's just worth noting the whole plot of this movie is so centered on politics and taxes and it's and i mean yeah. it's fair but when you're a young like i guess that's fair because this movie sort of was directed for people who already have watched the the like main star wars movies and they're growing so it kind of makes sense but it is sort of unintentional because like a lot of the newer audiences are starting to get into star wars like yeah like us yeah this was obviously made before we were born but i mean when i was growing up i was watching these movies and i didn't understand any of the politics yeah i just was there for the lightsaber fights when you're like a 10 year old kid you don't know what taxes are and i just remember being like just not even know what's happening just yeah, I was there just for the. I definitely time. feel as if now that we're more grown and that we that we know more about politics, it was cool to see that, like Chancellor Palpatine was literally only siding with, um, Padme just to try to get, to be Supreme Chancellor. So I thought that was cool, but I didn't mm. know that he was trying to do that when I first 
watched this movie when I was eight. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, another thing is that having watched those three previous movies, you can almost just see through everything. Like mean? that's happening. Like I know that, uh, or like uh, Palpatine's. Uh, oh. Like towards the end when he's trying to convince, was that the actual queen, or was that? It was a decoy. Or was that the decoy that he was negotiating with? To answer Drew's question about like why they're, go like the the decoy is going to politics. I really think it's because she's very close to Padme, and that's why she's the chosen decoy. And Padme wouldn't choose any decoy who was naive in politics like i think if i was to go out and do something then i would choose someone who's most like me and knows like what i would do in certain situations yeah and she can always brief her too and be like yeah say this if you ask you this yeah and i feel like it wasn't that it was like deep for politics in terms of like an eight-year-old watching but mm-hmm. not like now that we're watching as 17 year olds it wasn't that deep it was just we don't want the trade federation blocking our planet we just want them out of here and i think yeah as and that's kind of what the what the Republic was trying to do, trying to sending the send because they didn't want to sign this treaty because they knew what it would do to them. They'd be giving this kind of like, yeah, it's sort of like real life, like for history, like there are certain treaties that seemed fair to the yeah. country that was being like being taken over. But and so they would wasn't. rather, they wanted to negotiate a new one. So they sent the Knights there Yeah, and then they realized, Oh shoot. They're trying to. They're, they don't want to sign this. One. They want to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, also they're Jedi. Yeah. And then this whole debacle gets thrown. Yeah, it sort of. Okay, so I, I'm not a huge Star Wars nerd like as much as you guys are. So like I don't know. This could have been more for me because you guys like know the story a lot more. But I just thought besides the pod race, the epic fight at the end, and some other action bits, I just thought it was like really boring. I like multiple times where i was just so bored because there were people talking about planets and stuff that i just didn't yeah like, no. i mean i mean that goes back to what we were saying about like the whole plot like this one is so much more focused on politics yeah. and like talk and negotiations and it i that was kind of like the thing i found most like it it feels a little out of place for star wars to do this like it is a new perspective and i understand that but you know with the original trilogy you're so used to like oh let's go on this quest through space to you know find this new like alien person and then like meet them and you know let's do this fun thing take on this enemy and it's just a lot more like fun like it is a space adventure and this one is just a lot more talk overall i feel like i feel like that's like a i actually like this movie mostly because i've seen it a lot of times because i'm also a star wars nerd but Mm -hmm. i never minded the taxes and politics because that was mostly included in the clone wars and later star wars films so i sort of got used to it um but there were times in the movie where i was really wanted to hit that skip 10 seconds ahead button yeah because yeah. i just was like this just is not important to this story and it's there's just also filler. just there's also just a lot of small talk like or like smaller scenes that were just like, very 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 or i guess what i'm trying to say very short scenes it seemed like there were a lot of times where you run into just like 20 or 30 second scenes and then it would cut somewhere else mm-hmm. just to show like one little bit of information being thrown which mm. I really didn't feel like was necessary. I also feel like the the fact just as the movie as a whole coming out twelve years later as a like spot of a preceding movie to all those movies that had come out before, I just feel like it was being so like extra and emphasizing the foreshadowing of future events mm-hmm. 
don't yeah. know if you guys saw that. I mean, the entire poster for the Phantom Menace was young Anakin standing there and the Darth yeah. Vader shadows behind him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. But, I mean, that is what makes it so good. You're like, oh, okay, I see where that's coming from. Yeah. I, it I, been, I feel yeah. like it would have been, to be fair, it was sort of hard to make a, like, I don't blame them for it not being as good. Because um, oftentimes when things like this happen and, like, someone is known for something and they're going to have something else coming out in the future, everyone has high expectations. Yeah. Which sort of ruins the actual experience. So when you're making a, like, movie that, goes before and it's in terms of like timeline to the actual main movie it's sort of hard because you already know what's going to happen so i don't blame the makers of the film i just think that it was hard enough to sort of make like a prequel yeah but then you also yeah. you, you kind of also have to remember that the, in, the entire story before all these movies was came or all, before all these movies came out was already written like mm-hmm. before yeah I feel like they could have done a much better job in terms of actually trying to make it a movie rather than an explanation for the other movies. Yeah, yeah. I, we can move topics here because I think we're getting dry. Yeah. On that one. Uh, what did y'all think? Because some reviews said Anakin's acting like the kid. Acting was terrible. Did y'all? What did y'all think? Because I actually didn't think it was I. That bad. I, lo- I loved little Anakin. I was yeah. just like that. That kid is just. I was gonna say bad. I liked. Yeah, no. I liked. Okay. I liked his character but i don't think it was it's hard to see because i've already seen the second and third movie it's hard to see how he would transform from a kid like that who's so young and innocent and like he's like oh yeah blah blah like he's just all out like happy Mm -hmm. and then he turns into some whiny like teenager like what was it like 10 years later like i don't i wish that i don't think the actor was bad i just think the role given to the actor was not very accurate in terms of how he was supposed to act 10 years later yeah and i mean i do like the actor because he's in my one of my favorite christmas movies which is jingle all the way which is great and you should watch it because mm-hmm. i don't know he, that, that kid is great but yeah i do th- i do i do agree i think it is the role overall that just didn't fit and yeah it is weird to go from him to hayden christensen in the matter of like you know our timeline like I two three sand. years yeah sand sand yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um speaking of the kid <laughs> one of my favorite scenes that i just want to bring up real quickly is when qui-gon and anakin are walking back to um the ship on tatooine and darth maul's chasing after them on like his speeder thing yeah. and darth maul's going for qui-gon to try and kill him but he goes right for Anakin. He like tries to kill him, and then Qui Gon's like, "Anakin, duck!" <laughs> Even though that wasn't yeah. the target. Okay, but, <laughs> Darth Maul but, going for the kid. I think yeah. just with with no reason. I just thought yeah, was hilarious. Yeah, know. <laughs> Did they just cut out the part where they were getting chased? Because like I never understood ever why. Like I knew that he found them, but like it's just sort of weird how he found them at that time when they're by the ship. Like he's on a freaking speeder, so like they're not gonna outrun him so it's like he just found it or i just didn't understand maybe it's the midichlorians <laughs> um so yeah w- w- why midichlorians george lucas yeah. what what where where were you coming from what were you thinking it's so it's so out of it's not out of place but it's just new and it seems like a lame excuse um for for getting anakin roped into all this yeah also, why doesn't Anakin have a dad? Like, they could have easily just had some guy be like, yeah, I'm his dad. But instead, they had this whole explanation that, like, the Force made him. There's only, I'm pretty sure, like, 
There's yeah. two sentences he talks about the entire thing. He like yeah. t- mentions but it, it was twice. The, it was like just a made up thing. Like it was never talked about in the original movies. And he was just like, you know, because in the main like in the main original movies they talk about how the force just like isn't isn't everything. And then they're like, yeah, to go scientifically, it's actually meant for the core ones. Yeah, it's a bad thing to have like make new rules after the rules have been established. Yeah, they they do that in the new ones too. We can make a whole episode on the sequels. Like hour and a half special over. I don't know how bad those movies are. I enjoyed Rogue One though. Rogue One was good. Yeah. Because that was like an actual like fit into the story rather than an addition. So speaking of just awful things added to this movie, such as Minichlorians, let's talk about let's talk about one of the most like most popular character in Star Wars. And I don't think it's a good character. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> we got a lot to say. <laughs> One thing that I have to say to George Lucas. How woo! <laughs> to add Jar Jar Binks. Hate this kid. This yeah. is just... Every, everything... I, he's supposed to be like the the like comic, bad comic relief. comic relief to this yeah. entire story. But every single time that he talks, I'm just like, dude, just no, just shut up. I like yeah. how, like, toward, towards the end, like, towards the war, they kind of want to make his, like, clumsiness kind of be, like, the spotlight. But just, come on, dude. Yeah. Why would you make that man a general? Like, you have banished this dude <laughs> for the reason that he gives, or that Jar Jar Binks to, uh, gives to Qui-Gon and uh, Obi-Wan in, like, the little, like, watership is, I was clumsy. Oh, yeah. And they give this clumsy man who is only his like feats are only being celebrated because of these two Jedi Knights. They make this man general and yeah. they'll all like follow just it. Yeah. I, I think that really is a call to how smart their species is. The thing I hated most about it is because Star Wars had this thing where like aliens have been very different from humans. Like think of like the cantina, all those guys are not humans at all. And Jar Jar is basically a human that looks slightly different, and he talks in a funny way. He's not like he just says Misa instead Misa's of Misa. Jar Jar Binks. Exactly. Like it's not funny too. Why is that and so it's good? so out of character. It takes. I thought it took the pristine of like the first three movies, or, like very serious, to like just like what. So that's why I hate him the most. And after getting bad reviews on this movie, they're like, "Yeah, let's add him to the second movie too." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was there was talk. Um, I remember when Force Awakens was coming out that J.J. Abrams actually considered putting like Jar Jar's corpse somewhere in the movie. <laughs> please, yeah. please. Yeah. I would have loved that. I would have. <laughs> How did he die? Like we never even. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe Order sixty six. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, the whole the yeah, whole Gungan very painful death. The <laughs> whole Gungan dialect, like you son, oh big doo doo, like <laughs> oh my, like what are you doing? It's not, it's not uh, Star Wars. Yeah, Boss Nas, Jar Jar, the whole Gungan race is just painful Terrible. to watch. Yeah, it could have been mysterious and cool and I don't know alien like, but instead they just speak a little funny for a good laugh. And he stands out so much because of the horrible CG when he's like right oh next to Liam gosh. Neeson yeah. and Qui Gon. It looks like it. it I, I, one of the, I, I was reading somewhere, and I 100% agree with it. It looks like a character out of a video game that they just like green screen edited out his exactly. motions and put it in. I mean, I mean that is kind of what they're doing. Game. <laughs> exactly. 
but I mean, that was kind of the tech for the time. But there are times when those kind of characters look really, like, well done. Yeah, like, yeah, like the trade federation guys. But there's, there's almost, like, no light correction on them at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just and it's It would have been easier to not add him in the movie than to add not, him. Not, I mean, to add to him, his voice and just his character being an ear sore, he's more of an eyesore, too. Yeah, he just sucks. So... Another character that I just really did not like, I hated Qui-Gon. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I hated him. Patrick is not happy about that. What? I just, I didn't like, I just. What? I just did not like him. Why? Why? You didn't like who? Oh, is it because he, why, actually, yeah, why, why? I just, I I don't know. I thought he was just, I I thought as a character he was just very annoying and just. I thought he was like very aggressive. Like, I think we should cut this. From the pot. No, <laughs> no, it's an interesting take. We're not cutting. okay. Fine. But. I just, I, I, don't know. I just didn't like his character. I thought he was just really annoying, and then just, I, I, I don't know why, but I, a lot of the times, I just really did not like him. Qui Gon's legend. I don't know. <laughs> and anno- annoying. I don't aggressive. know why. He just seemed very aggressive at some points. Like, I mean, yeah, but yeah, he has to. Jedi he has to look like... out for. He has to look out for Obi Wan. He has to look out for Anakin. He's got to look out for Jar Jar, who has a life debt to him. I mean, I would be fed up if I was Qui Gon. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't think he's annoying. But I, de- I get what you mean a little bit. I still think he's a good. Kid. I don't like that he was just added into the movie just to die at the end. True. He was underused. That's just yeah. like Darth that's Maul. fair. Because they try to continue his legacy later in like the Clone Wars and like little like ghosts. Holograms he's still like, a cool character. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna say he's, he's a cool. Yeah, I mean it's Liam Neeson. Like that's that's yeah, just exactly. Liam Neeson yeah. for you. So I mean I don't know why you thought he was annoying. That's just Liam Neeson for you. But also Darth Maul, bro. They just did not use him at all. Okay. Yeah, like, I mean the, the only thing the only thing that they use him for is Darth like, Maul had like one or two lines the entire movie. <laughs> I mean, and I think the only purpose of, of them adding Darth Maul was just, just it was just to feed off of like was to, it was well, just it, a temporary it, villain because if they didn't have Darth Maul they wouldn't have had a real villain to fight and they explain it's where the the Phantom Menace name comes from yeah. because it, towards the end of the movie mm-hmm. they're just like well if he's either the apprentice or the lord so one of them still remains and which we know from watching the other movies that that lord is Palpatine oh. Yeah, I'm just so that's that's where the Phantom Menace comes from. The whole purpose of them making the movie The Phantom Menace is that that person is Palpatine and is kind of the Phantom bad guy. Yeah, Yeah, the the the, 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 the unspoken menace. Yeah, but Darth, I'm excited to see like Darth Maul going forward because I mean, spoiler alert, but he gets resurrected in Clone Wars, and then they brought like live action Maul back in Solo, a Star Wars story. So they realized I'm I'm ex- I'm just excited I'm just excited to see how they incorporate him in like Solo in the was future. Such a forgettable Star Wars movie. But that's for yeah. another time. Um, so I think a lot of uh <laughs> the hate for this movie goes towards Jar Jar Binks, who actually comes up a lot in many reviews. So we're gonna transition now into reading some reviews from random people of the internet. So, uh, who wants to kick it off? So, my next review comes from Matthew Brady. Um, you guys can find it on Google. He uh, gave it a one-star review. Um, he said, there's always a bigger fish, which is uh, one of the lines from the movie. And he said, may the fourth be with you, folks. Remember, even though this movie is extremely boring and disappointing, at least it's not your son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I it too. That was good. This film is technically illegal since the Constitution forbids any form of a cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, my first review comes from Letterboxd from Olivia who says, Jar Jar Binks has rights. <laughs> he doesn't deserve them. 
<laughs> yeah, he doesn't deserve them, but he has them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when searching through the reviews on IMDb, I saw a name that looked very familiar. If you, if you went back and listened to our first episode on Gemini Man, the reviewer Bevo13678 and uh, his previous review, Wowzer, I like when they swap the whiskey for the Coca-Cola yeah. while well, he's back. Yes. And he gives Phantom Menace a 10 out of 10, <laughs> saying, yes, even better than the older ones. I hope George R. Hinks has a bigger role in subsequent films. <laughs> I guess George Lucas saw that. <laughs> and when I say this guy is loaded, he has over 4,000 reviews on IMDb. Oh my God. Not only movies, but TV shows and episodes. It's You get this guy on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, Bebo, if you're out there, I mean, hit us up. Yeah. Uh, one of mine was just the title. Uh, this is from B.A. Harrison um, on IMDb. IMDb. He said, uh, Misa not alika these, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I have a. I actually had the review. I can. I wrote down some of the notable points in his review. It says perhaps the most notable thing about this film is the distinct lack of fun. Trade embargo mm-hmm. negotiations, taxation, and treaties are enough to bore the restraining bolts off an Arto unit. But even when his actors aren't sending us to sleep, delivering, delivering their monotonous political discourse, good old George fails to entertain. With action scenes ruined by or ruined by it, an over reliance of a cartoonish CGI and embarrassing bad slapstick humor delivered by one of the most irritating creations to ever grace the silver screen, Jar Jar Banks. He also uh, called uh, Anakin Anakin Oops Skywalker, which I thought was pretty funny. My next one uh, comes from Hannah on Letterboxd. You gave it a four and a half out of five. And she said, Jar Jar is so funny and pure hearted and misunderstood. <laughs> and if you hate him, you're literally a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she liked the well, po- political I mean, parts of the movie. I guess we're so all you think fascists. of it five stars. <laughs> um, another review that I have is from Calvin Mann on Google, who gives it a zero out of 10. It says, false advertising. There wasn't even Andy ghosts slash phantoms and the stars didn't fight. Don't waste roar time on this if you want to see a re. Uh, oh gosh, I that's not an exclamation point. If you want to see a recall cosmic action. <laughs> How old do we think that guy is? Probably four. <laughs> stars didn't fight. <laughs> There's no phantom or manichees. There weren't even anti ghosts slash phantoms. Um, I'll go back to uh, Bevo. Dash one three six seven eight. Um, well, so I was looking through the movies that he rated, and um, you can filter the movies, so you can filter it by each star rated one, two, three, four, all the way to ten stars. And I was going through. He rated no movies, one star, two star, three star, four star, five star, six star, seven star, eight star. Oh, he did rate some movies nine star. And I started scrolling, oh, wait, he only rated two movies nine stars. So out of his 4,104 <laughs> movies that he has apparently watched, I don't know if he actually actually watched all those. He definitely has He's rated 4,102 of those movies 10 stars. 
So he likes I'm best. just wondering how bad Home and Away and The Block are, which are the two movies he gets I'm wondering how bad they are. <laughs> gotta be guard. Evo, please. He either accidentally contact. gave them nine stars or... <laughs> Oh, wait, one of them's 28 minutes. Home, is, Home and Away is 28 minutes, and then the other one is a game show. <laughs> so, so <laughs> they must be terrible. Bebo, if you are out there, our Gmail is, is scratchfilmpod at gmail.com. Please contact <laughs> we, us. We want, want to us, know what, we want you on. Yeah, we want to know what's wrong with those movies. Some of them thinks he's watched. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, That's great. Scrolling through. Uh, I got one okay. uh, from Barrett Herring. Give it a one star. Star Wars: Attack of the Clones is the worst thing made by him. Oh, okay, sorry. oh wait, wrong movie. This movie still is a horrible, stinking dump- dumpster fire, though. <laughs> but yeah, Attack of the Clones also. <laughs> yeah, not, not peak. Um, my next one comes from Ron Tomatoes from Dave S. He gave it half out of five, and he said, "Jab, jab, blinks." Nuff said. <laughs> <laughs> The reviews on this movie are really good. (laughs) (laughs) Off of Rotten Tomatoes, Kate Muir of Time 2K says, do kids really want to follow a plot about intergalactic trade embargoes? Which no no one does. No No one does. Okay. I have another one from Google. Two out of five. Jack Bajoric says, at least it isn't the rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Yeah. This movie I say would... Is better. It is Realistic. better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got one from Catherine Lamb, one star, and she said, "I think this is the worst Star Wars." <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah sure. That. All right. So that is it for the reviews from others. Well, let's go into our reviews. Um, who wants to start? I'll start. I'm gonna give it a two out of ten. Because I mean, Duel of the Fates, the whole scene and the music is beautiful, and the pod racing is a lot of fun. But overall, CGI, writing, plot, mostly some of the acting, um, Sabulba. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, I it's, 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 I want to forget it. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a two out of 10 because the best two things are the pot racing and the, the lightsaber fight. Besides that, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, like I said, so I don't even like really want to follow all this like trade embargo stuff. I really don't care that much. And that's like most of the movie. So I found myself just being tremendously bored for 95% of the movie. I think even being a Star Wars fan, I don't want to follow those stupid trade embargoes and all yeah. that. I'd give this movie a 4 out of 10. I think, I I mean, not to say it was a hard carry, but Star Wars score is always a classic. And to agree with the two of you guys, I think that the pod racing and Duel of the Fates are probably the best two scenes in the entire movie. The rest of it just felt kind of unnecessary. And there was so much leading into that pod racing scene and Jar Jar Binks being a complete clumsy, like just like, just, yeah, an idiot, just being incredibly clumsy. Um, but I, I think that it did a pretty good job of structuring for future movies and serving its purpose. But at the same time, it did a really bad job of doing that just because it just kind of dragged on. Felt, like I said earlier, a lot more like an explanation rather than an actual movie. Um, so that's why I give it the rating. Um, I'm probably going to give it the highest rating we've given a movie for what we've reviewed. I'll go ahead and just break the ice or go ahead. break the tension. I give it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I'm a Star Wars fan. I didn't, I didn't mind the politics in terms of like enjoyment, but 
I did really because this was the first time I've watched this movie in like three years, three four years, and I'd say that my knowledge and that terms of like that in terms of politics has increased. So I definitely did understand it more. Um, I did I did like obviously the duel of the fates and the pod racing were two high points in the movie. However, I did actually enjoy a lot of the other bits and parts of it. Um, I don't even think it's my least favorite Star Wars movie. I think Rise of Skywalker and Attack of the Clones were significantly worse. Yeah. Um, and I I did enjoy the movie. That's why I gave it a 7, 7.5 out of 10. So I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm biased. So for those who have not watched the movie before who are not into Star Wars, it's understandable why you'd give it a too but i patrick i was surprised by your rating yeah. I, I mean really I, I might move it up to like a three or four i guess oh, and I'm, but and I no think, no 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 but like because i think there are a few more goods in terms of like setting up future things and i don't know but yeah. it's still and yes like rise of skywalker is definitely lower but i mean i'm still kind of and i feel like this movie sort of revolutionized the idea of lightsaber fighting because in the mm-hmm. older movies it wasn't as like intense and like practice that's true that's true yeah this movie revolutionized it and made it so much faster and so much more enjoyable to watch because that eventually leads into the second movie and then the third movie and i feel like in terms of lightsaber fighting i think the prequels are and i don't know if you know this but they actually had to like slow down the duel of the fates fight because like obi-wan or um ewan mcgregor and then darth maul when they were having their fight like they were so fast that it was like hard to keep track, and so they actually had to like slow down the that's, scene. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know they had to practice a long. Time. I know. Yeah. I, the choreography was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd probably bump my rating up then, probably to like a five or a six, because I definitely agree it was like I enjoyed the movie. I think it was a good movie. I just think there were a lot of other parts that just kind of outweighed that general fact. I'm not changing mine. <laughs> I don't okay. like this movie. Yeah, I mean, you're not a Star Wars fan, so I understand. Yeah, that's, but. Please don't sue us, Disney. <laughs> okay. Or on your move. <laughs> um, so our editor, Lucas, is way at a track meet right now. So I'll go and close this out with our outro for the week. So um, thank you for listening to this episode of Scratched Film. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to leave a review on whichever listening platform you are tuning in on. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Please let us know what you would like to see in the future and what you think we could do to make this podcast better also let us know who or what you would like to see us critique next follow us on social media at scratched film on twitter at scratched film pod on all other platforms and visit our website www.marispodcasting slash scratched film to get involved in our community have a good day from rotten tomatoes kate muir of times uk says do you really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, really? That's that's a good blooper. Uh, that's a good <laughs> blooper. <laughs> because that's a blooper. Yeah, John Williams is daddy. Okay, we're getting that. <laughs> Do not add that in. No, we're not. We're gonna leave that in.